When I was 20 years old, I woke up in the middle of the night and I drove myself to the hospital. The reason I did that is because when I woke up, I felt like I couldn't breathe or I felt like I couldn't catch my breath. And so, strangely, I felt like my heart was about to beat out of my chest. Strangely, I thought at the age of 20 that I was having a heart attack. And probably stranger than all of those things, in the middle of the night, I got in my car alone and drove myself to the hospital in my college town. When I arrived at the emergency room, I went through that first set of automatic doors. And when I walked in, I saw to my left, hanging on the wall, was a payphone. And kids, you'll have to ask your parents what that is uh, later on. But I saw the payphone, and I took a quarter out of my pocket, and I put it in the payphone, and I called my parents. And while I began to hear the phone ring, I felt this strange sense of, like, embarrassment, shame. Suddenly in my mind was this question, what in the world am I doing? And so instead of letting my parents pick up on the other end, I hung up the phone And instead of walking into the waiting room of the emergency room, I turned around and I walked out. I got back in my car. I went to a Walgreens and I bought a bottle of aspirin because I'd heard that's what you should take if you were having a heart attack. And I drove around for the rest of the night and into the morning. Now, many of you knew from my first sentence that I was describing to you that I was having a panic attack. But as sure as I'm sitting here today, I had never heard that phrase up until that point in my life. Actually, I'd never heard the phrase panic attack until the next day when my mama, who had seen the phone number for her son's uh, hospital in the college town where he went to school on her caller ID, until my mama came and got me the next day, because that's how I found out what a good mom does when she sees the hospital number on her caller ID. She comes and gets her son. And she took me to the doctor. And they hooked me up to all these uh, wires that day. And what they found in my heart, well, all they found in my heart is that I was really, really afraid. And so a part of an almost 20-year journey for me, journeying with and trying to figure out anxiety and even finding great victory in that, a part of that journey for me 20 years later is to say to you that I still struggle with it that it's not totally gone from my life. And a part of this coronavirus, social distancing, quarantining time has been a way for some of us that have struggles like that to find out that we're able to maybe ignore them a little bit better when we're moving so fast in our lives. What I'm saying is that there are parts of us on this journey that we're in right now, we have found that our struggles are actually being magnified in this time where everything is different. I have gained, I would want you to know, great victory through the power of God in the last 20 years. Great victory through the power of God and through the power of God doing some real intentional hard work. Things are really, really good. But I have to face, I'm almost 40 years old, I have to face that for one, (laughs) but I also have have to face that I'm not all the way better yet, which makes me kind of say, oh man, or maybe amen. I don't know, one of one of those. And so some of what I had learned to to do to kind of manage my anxiety, um, some of the the rhythms of my life and some of the social and personal interactions that I've learned over the last 20 years have been taken away from me in the last seven weeks. 
And so it's been this whole new learning experience. I'm saying something really obvious right now. I could have just started with this, and that is to say some of our normal struggles have increased in this time. Some of the things that are usually pretty manageable for us in this time are now suddenly unmanageable. Folks who kind of had their depression under control are now suddenly struggling in despair again. People who have trouble or problems with anger are now barely holding it together. I read just this week that pornography sites are reporting an almost 700% increase in online traffic during this time. You know, people who, who drink a little too much are drinking a lot too much in this time. We have kids in our church, and I'm sure many of you who are watching know someone, we have children in our church who right now are going through cancer treatments, which is hard enough in a normal time, but now that they have to mask up and gown up, and only one parent can go with them, and, and even sometimes no parents and in some situations. It's a really difficult time. All kinds of things that we're facing that we were just trying to kind of figure out are not really difficult. You know, retirement on a fixed income is one thing. It's another thing when the stock market goes down. Uh, some older adults have just moved into assisted living places, and now they found themselves in a situation with six and now seven weeks without being able to see a family member. There are different words for how all this makes us feel. And some of you are feeling some thanks just with me talking. Some of you guys are feeling, will you stop? That's enough, right? There, there's a lot that we're feeling when we say that. But it's, it's the same feeling as missing your daughter's college graduation. It's the same feeling as uh, having to uh, sit home on the weekend that would have been your senior prom. And the best word that I know for that feeling is this word. It's grief. It's grief. And so we are grieving losses. We're, uh, we're grieving loneliness. We're grieving struggles. We're grieving sin. There's grief in our world right now, and we grieve that before God. What I found is that if we take some steps with grief, that's something that we call mourning. So if you, if you have some grief and you start walking with it, that's called mourning, and Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. For the next several weeks, we are looking at one line per week that Jesus says. We're just taking in one thing that Jesus says, and that's ours for this week. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Those lines are found in Matthew chapter 5 in what is probably Jesus' greatest and most famous sermon. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. The longest continuous words of Jesus are found in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And it starts with these words of blessing. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. The blessing that's being described in Matthew chapter 5 is an existing state of happiness. It's like a place that you live. It's a place that you dwell. This is not a, a fleeting kind of feeling. This is not like the happiness you feel like when the Kona ice truck shows up in your neighborhood. That is a fleeting happiness. And I love Kona ice, but, you know, sugar on ice is a fleeting happiness. I, I promise you that it's a fleeting happiness. It gives you a a tummy ache. And I love, I love the Kona. If the Kona Ice guy is watching, like, this is not against you. Like, come back. Burnett Road, we'd love to see you every week. But it's fleeting. It goes away. The happiness is fleeting in that moment. The blessing that Jesus is describing is something that you can hang on to or more that kind of hangs on to you no matter what's going on. So keep that in mind as we're talking about blessing, that it's, it's not just like, hey, God, will you bless this for a moment? It's like, this is where I'm at right now. I'm in a, in a blessing time. That's why it's so startling, this line where Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn, 
It's as if Jesus is saying, happy are the unhappy. This word blessing, that means uh, satisfied, rich, uh, joyous, happy. Uh, and mourning means uh, you know, that you're hurting and you're grieving and you're lamenting. So it's kind of hard to put those things together. Uh, blessing is a good place. Mourning seems like a bad place. Is Jesus saying happy are the unhappy? It sounds almost like a contradiction. You know, we're up for paradox, right? Okay, this is a mystery. That just sounds like contradiction. And so we're going to walk into it a little bit together this morning. Here's the first thing. I think that we all have something to mourn. You know, no matter who you are or where you're at, where you're sitting today, I believe that everybody has something that they can grieve, some loss to mourn. It's interesting, the tense of the line here in Matthew chapter 5, 5 verse 4, the tense of it is, is not saying, hey, if you're not mourning right now, you might want to give it a try because there's a blessing in it. No, it's saying, for those of you who are in mourning, it's, it's saying, it's acknowledging that, that we who love God also find ourselves in a place where we're suffering and grieving. Blessed are those who mourn right now. So I think we all have something to mourn. And as strange as it may sound, you may have not really fully lived into your mourning. As a pastor, I think, um, I've been thinking about it, I think that as we come out of this coronavirus and come out of this social distancing, that there's going to be this great big stack of grief that we may not have dealt with. And as the people of God, if we don't deal with that, we're not really fully living into our heritage The Bible talks a lot about mourning. There's a word that's used in the Bible. It's this word, lament. We don't use the word lament all that much. And a lament is not that much different than mourning. Uh, The definition of it is sort of a a passionate expression of grief, a passionate expression of mourning. And, And so the Bible talks about lamenting. In fact, there's a whole book of the Bible that is a book of laments. Did you know that? In the Bible, there's a whole book that's just the people of God saying, where are you, God? What's going on, God? Do you know that we're hurting? Do you know that we're suffering? Do you know that we're far away? That book of the Bible is called Lamentations. I'd like to read just a couple of verses so you can get a feel for what's happening in the Bible in this book. It, uh, here's one verse, verse 16 of chapter 1. It says, this is why I weep. This is why I weep and my, tears, my eyes overflow with tears. No one is near. No one is near to comfort me, no one to restore my spirit. A couple verses later, it says this, See, Lord, how distressed I am. I am in torment within, and in my heart I am disturbed, for I have been most rebellious. I'll often have people tell me how they're struggling in life, you know, maybe even struggling with God, wondering where God is in their life, and they'll ask me, what should I say to God? How can I pray in a time like that? And I'll say something like, I would just tell God that. That right there, tell God, like, uh, where are you, God? I'm hurting God. I'm, I'm in the pit, God. You know, God can totally handle that. I find sometimes that I reduce God down to some, some kind of God that couldn't handle the darkness that I'm facing. I make God so small that God couldn't handle the suffering that I'm walking through. And of course, God can. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Jesus is telling us that when we mourn, we can find comfort. It's actually when we mourn that we can be comforted. The beautiful truth to this, guys, is that there's no comfort outside of mourning. We think comfort is found in the absence of mourning, in the absence of grief. It's not so. Why? Because we all have something to mourn. So if we're not mourning something, then we're actually ignoring something. It's mourning. That's where we find the comfort from God. The word comfort in the Scripture means to to call near uh, or to, to come alongside. 
And so in mourning, God is called near to us and God comes alongside of us. There's no comfort in just loss alone. The comfort comes in mourning. The comfort comes in acknowledging. The comfort comes in bringing it to the surface. The comfort comes in honesty. The comfort comes in vulnerability before God. That's what allows someone to come near. That's what allows God to come right alongside of us. I do want to point out something, though. Um, All this talk about mourning in the Bible is actually more than just the bereavement of a lost loved one. That's what I usually think about when I think about mourning is is, being sad or, or grieving a lost loved one. Or maybe even like what I talked about already, that sometimes we just grieve the struggles we're in. But the Bible almost overwhelmingly is talking about something else. Uh, I'll pause there and say, if you're grieving the loss of a loved one, this verse is for you. Like, this is your promise. So I'm not taking, that's not taken that way. You will be comforted. But in many cases, the mourning in the Bible, the mourning of the people of God, is them mourning their sin. It's them being in a place of, of being grieved that they've left God out. It's being really sad that they left God behind or turned their backs on God. They just come to this place and they're like, man, uh, we were doing just fine. We were seeking out the comforts of the world. And then what? Disaster struck, exile, or even disease. And the people of God realize, man, somewhere along my life journey, I left God way behind. And that makes the people of God sad. It makes them sorry. It makes them turn to God, and so they mourn. And so a part of us turning to God in this time is, is, is feeling that sadness that comes when we realize, oh, man, I was going through this struggle, and I, was, I left God way behind. I turned my back on God somewhere back there. And so mourning, mourning our sin allows us to move on. Mourning is actually how we move on. Now, I'm not saying that's how we just get over stuff in our lives. Not at all. It's, it's that acknowledgement to stop covering stuff up because it won't work. We mourn something before God, and that's where we find this great, big, expansive, wide grace and mercy. We experience the mercy and the grace of God when we come and, and mourn our struggles and mourn the things we're going through and say, oh, man, I need you so much, God. Mourning is actually the doorway to joy. Mourning's how we, how we get to that place. You know, somehow, mourning is the way we get to true joy. It's such a biblical principle that mourning is the doorway to joy. It's such a biblical principle. There's no way I could even recount all the instances in the Bible where our mourning is connected with our joy. Some of you remember we studied Isaiah 61 some this year, and remember for mourning, we're given what? The oil of joy. Jeremiah 31, which some of you know a passage there where we're hearing about the success God is going to give us and how God is going to prosper us, but it also says young women will dance and so will old men because our mourning has been turned into joy. One of my favorite scriptures in Psalm 126 where it says those who go out sowing sowing tears, that may be where you're at right now, Put the seeds that you're putting to the ground are your tears. The scripture says those who go out sowing tears will reap songs of joy. Isn't that a cool image? To think like what we're doing right now of of sowing our tears in the ground will one day lead to a time where we're coming back and what our harvest is our songs of joy. Uh, Those scriptures, they just describe our God. That's just how our God works. If you're just getting acquainted with (laughs) with this God, I just want you to know that's how our God works. He takes mourning and turns it into joy. He takes our, our, our deepest, darkest place and pulls us up and gives us this not fleeting happiness, but something we can hang on to that can get us through it again. I say doorway because I think mourning is what we have to walk through to get to real joy. 
not happiness that we can just find in some fleeting moment, something that we can, you know, try to, uh, you know, seek after things where we can escape our world. No, no, where we're so honest and so real about our struggles. You know, sometimes in the mess of life, like what I was saying is when, when we're not in something like this, I can cover over it with busyness, right? Or I can, uh, you know, I can cover over it with, with binge watching some show on Netflix, like the Michael Jordan documentary, uh, the episodes three and four come out tonight. Actually, that is true joy. If you're watching The Last Dance, true joy, that's, not, that's good stuff. But what I'm saying is like sometimes we'll try to cover something over, just get so deep in something that we don't deal with what's going on inside. But what we find is when, when, we, when we bring that before God, what we're really going through, God can step us into a place, step us through the doorway to joy. That's the promise, guys. That's the promise of this scripture. And the more I've thought about it this week, it's actually sort of the promise of the scriptures, the promise that God's going to move us from this place to a place of joy. What I'm talking about here is we've sort of had to realize in a time of worldwide pandemic, and it's this. There are some things that we are facing right now that are not going to be made right on this side of heaven. You know, we're just in the midst of some, some difficult, hard, disease, death-facing time that we look at that and say, man, this is not going to be made right on this side of heaven. Well, here's the cool thing, guys. We get to inherit heaven. We looked last week and said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for they will inherit the kingdom of heaven. We get heaven we get God making things right. Listen to this, sort of towards the end of the story in the Bible, in Revelation 7. It says, for the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. That's Jesus. The lamb, the one who is sacrificed, is now the shepherd, and he will lead them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. I don't know if you've heard that part of our story where there's something that's coming where God is gonna wipe away all the tears from our eyes. It makes me think about the very beginning part of Jesus' story, baby Jesus in Bethlehem. Maybe you've heard that story. You may have heard of the wise men, the three uh, kings who come to visit because there's a new king, right? You may not have heard the part of the story when these three wise men come, they are intercepted by the current king of that area. His name was Herod. He was an evil king. And when he heard that there was a new baby boy king that had been born in his region, he issued an edict that all the baby boys, age two and under, would be killed. And so there's this verse in Matthew, but it's actually hearkening back to an old lament from the Old Testament in Jeremiah, where, uh, where we hear these words. It says, a voice is heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. So in the beginning of Jesus' story, the world was in a place where people were dying and they shouldn't have been dying. And the people were feeling as if they were in a place of great despair and that there was no way they could be comforted. That's the world that the baby king entered into. That's kind of the first part of the story. But then again, we get to this place uh, towards the end of the Bible where we're hearing about what is coming when we're hearing about the true promise. And it says that baby becomes the one who's at the center of the throne like a king. And at the very end of Revelation, there's this amazing uh, verse that says, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. The king has come to where they are, and he will dwell with them. It's saying that Jesus didn't come just to take us to heaven. He came to bring heaven to us. And it says they will be his people, 
and God himself will be with them and be their God. He, Jesus, will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things. It's gone away. It's passed away. I remember this time my wife Rachel and I were experiencing a deep uh, personal loss. And it was just that week of, uh, that week of, of experiencing a deep personal loss. And you know, when, when grief is new, it's all-consuming. When grief is new, it's every moment. And so we were only a weekend to kind of this very deep loss that we had experienced in our life. And I remember it was a Friday morning, and Rachel and I were home. Our kids were at school. And I walked over into our kitchen, and I just happened to put my hands on the, the, the top of the back of a chair, and I just let out this noise, this groan. I had been holding so much in. It was almost this out-of-body experience. I didn't know what was happening. And I asked Rachel, I was like, what was that? And she said, Jacob, you're crying. And I was like, I don't think so. I've cried before. I've never (laughs) heard that noise. I've never seen that much snot. It was like an event, you know, that happened, this, this thing. And I was like, I don't think that was crying. And she came alongside me, I remember, close. And she embraced me, and she said, you're crying. She said, we are crying. We are mourning. And I remember we went for a walk, and we talked about how bad we were hurting, and we held hands, and I felt the Holy Spirit of God, the the Spirit of Jesus, the one who walks with us and talks with us, the Jesus who went to the cross, the lamb, who encountered the greatest suffering of any man. I felt him comfort us, blessing in mourning. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are those who are missing their prom this weekend, for they will be comforted. You know, blessed are those healthcare workers who haven't seen their families in weeks because they're quarantined, for they will be comforted. You know, blessed are those who can't have their mother's funeral right now, for they will be comforted. Blessed are those in leadership positions who agonize over making the right decisions regarding public safety, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the 89-year-olds who are confined to their rooms in the sixth week of no visits from their family, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the tornado victims who are quarantining, not in their homes, but in rented apartments and temporary housing, for they will be comforted. Blessed are you teachers who did not get to bid farewell and impart all you wanted to your students, for you will be comforted. Blessed are those of us who just got our struggle with depression under control, and now this and it came unraveled, for we will be comforted. Blessed are the children still getting chemo treatments who cry when they have to return to the hospital, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the grandmothers who see Mother's Day coming and they may not see their kids, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the parents of high school seniors who envision back patio grill-out celebrations and sitting in the seats of arenas cheering on their graduates, for they will be comforted. Blessed are ICU doctors and nurses who made an oath that now seems so heavy and hard, for they will be comforted. 
blessed are family members who mourn the loss of loved ones to coronavirus and they ache for they will be comforted. Blessed are those who feel afraid right now and it makes anxious tears well up in their eyes that they can't make sense of for they will be comforted. Jesus is coming back and he's gonna wipe every tear away from our eyes and there will be no more crying and there will be no more mourning and there will be no more pain. That's the promise that's coming to us. But don't you hear it, guys? Don't you hear what Jesus was trying to say to the people on the mountainside that day? Don't you see why he sat down and he looked at this crowd of people and he began to share his heart with him? He was saying, yes, it's coming. Yes, we're waiting. Yes, we're longing. Come, Lord Jesus. But he was saying, I have come to you now. I came into the world in a time when they were saying, Rachel is weeping over her people. I came in when the folks said that there is no comfort for us now in Israel. And Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn right now, for they will be comforted. What Jesus is saying is what we have experienced. The promise that's coming later is tears being wiped away. But Jesus has come now, and he can wipe away tears right now. He can come right into your heart and right into your life. The same power that happened on the cross and the same one we're looking forward to when he comes back and gets us again is the same power he holds for your life right now. We celebrated Easter two weeks ago in the resurrection. That's not a fairy tale for us. It's a real event that happened then. It's happening now, and he's coming back again. He's not just going to let us come to heaven with us. Jesus loves us so much, he's going to bring heaven down to this earth, this coronavirus earth this pandemic place that we have found ourselves in, Jesus has a promise for us now, and it's wiping tears away. It's walking through a doorway of mourning. We have to go through it together, calling him near and being comforted. So be comforted today, people of God. The promise is true. The promise is real. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. I want to talk to the kids now for just a second, if you're still hanging in. If there's little guys in the room, or maybe you can pause or bring them back to this. I just want to talk to the kids uh, for just a few uh, moments. And uh, I want to speak to you kids and say this. When I was little, I used to get afraid at night every once in a while. It's so crazy, right? My mom would tuck me into bed, and the moment she would walk out, I would feel afraid. Now, I could hear mom and dad right out there uh, uh, listening and watching TV, but just sort of being alone in the dark made me feel afraid. And so there's two things that I would do. I just want to share these with you guys today because I I know of other kids that are feeling afraid right now, feeling afraid at night. And the first thing you can do when you feel afraid at night, this is the first thing I would do. I would go, Mom! And by saying mom, my mom would come back. So I know moms, y'all are loving this right now. But I'm just saying, just let it rip if you need to let it rip. They will come. They can't stand it if you're in there yelling mom. They will come right back. So that's the first thing you can do. The second thing you can do is something I learned as a little boy at night when I was afraid. You can talk to God. You can actually just say in your heart or even out loud, you can say, dear God. And after you say that, just tell God how you're feeling. And it was so, so cool for me as a kid. Actually, the place that I learned to pray was at night by myself. And I would say, dear God, and I would start talking to God, and I would find that I could feel just as comforted as if my mom had come in the room. And so I just offer that to you. You, you know mom or dad or grandma, whoever, they, they, are, they will come near to you and come close to you. But this may be a time that you want to start talking to God. And, and you can just tell God how you're feeling. You can tell God you're afraid. You can ask God to help you. I had a prayer. I would say, God, I don't want to have any bad dreams tonight. Would you help me not have any bad dreams? 
And so just talk to God and tell him how you're feeling. Maybe all of us can benefit from that, just waking up in the night and, and sharing our hearts with God, whatever might be going on. A couple of things as, as we close. If there's anyone who needs prayer right now, if you were to text request prayer, that phrase, request prayer, to this number, 31996, 31996, you can know that someone will receive that and begin praying for you. You can put a prayer request in there and they'll begin praying for you. So you can text to 31996, request prayer. The other thing, that same number, 31996, if you text say yes to that number, that's a way for you to say yes to Jesus and know that a pastor will get your name and information and will follow up with you. Maybe there's somebody today that just wants to say yes to Jesus. Well, that's one way you can do it is, is praying with me now and texting say yes to 31996. Let's pray together. God, we love you and we thank you that you're here with us. We thank you that you have come alongside us and, and comforted us in this time. For those who are wanting to say yes to Jesus, God, we pray that you would come near and hear the, the longing of their heart to say yes to Jesus as Savior and Lord. And for those of us who need prayer, uh, help us to know that we are not alone in this time. We pray for our world. We pray for our nation. We pray for our community. We pray for those who are serving and working, even right now, to take care of your people. In Jesus' name, amen.